I am vengeance. I am the night. I am also a podcast. I am a podcast. 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 Oh! It's a show. It's a show. Audio only, though. What is it about? If you have time, I can tell you that it is a podcast about that many Batman podcasts. Uh, what did you want me to say in this part? It's a show! Yeah. Yeah! <laughs> I am a podcast. Whoa! Hey! with fans and people, people who Hey guys, welcome to Batman the Animated Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Michael, and you're listening to an audio variety show for your ears based on the legendary 1990s cartoon, Batman the Animated Series. Today's sponsor, Dr. Hugo Stranger Danger Detector, a patented handheld device that beeps whenever you're in any remote danger of having your memories stolen by the obviously nefarious Dr. Hugo Strange. Today's a fun one, guys. We're going to continue the conversation with Batman writer David Wise to talk about how he contributed to the strange secret of Bruce Wayne, along with my guest co-host and Justice League action writer, Jonathan Callan. Then we're going to sit down with Bria Grant to talk about the episode, who's not only an actor, a comic book writer, and a Batman the Animated Series fan, but a fun human being to talk to on a podcast to boot. But before we do... Please take a moment to rate and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Leave a review. It really helps out if you haven't done it already. All right, let's get to it. Today's episode, The Strange Secret of Bruce Wayne. When a Gotham City judge is blackmailed by Dr. Hugo Strange, Bruce Wayne journeys undercover to Strange's health resort in Yucca Springs to investigate, but finds that the Mad Doctor has created a machine to see into people's thoughts and discovers that Bruce Wayne is Batman. He then attempts to auction Batman's secret identity to the Joker, Two-Face, and the Penguin. Story by David Wise, teleplay by Judith and Garfield Reeves-Stevens, directed by Frank Parr with music composed by Lolita Ripmanis, animation services by Ackham Production Company, featuring Ephraim Zimbalist Jr. as Alfred, Bob Hastings as Gordon, Ray Buktenica as Hugo Strange, Mark Hamill as the Joker, Lauren Lester as Robin, Richard Mall as Two-Face, Ingrid Oliu as Renee Montoya, Paul Williams as the Penguin, Carmen Zapata as Judge Maria Vargas, and of course, starring Kevin Conroy as Batman. Today's guest, David Wise. If you haven't heard the first half of the interview with David Wise, take a second to go back to If You're So Smart, Why Aren't You Rich, the previous episode, if you're looking at it sequentially, and listen to that. There's a lot of backstory on where he came from, how he started writing, and all of that good stuff. We're going to pick up where that one left off and talk about this episode in particular, but also discuss an entire unmade Batman the Animated Series episode that David wanted to pitch and create. So get ready, because we're about to rumble. Is that a thing? That's not a thing. Here we go! (laughs) 
we're back with David Wise and John Callen. How are you guys since the last, you know, five-minute interlude between our recordings? I'm well-rested, uh, Justin. I, I'm feeling good about our chances this season. I, uh, I'm feeling good. Okay, good, good. As and long you, as, John? As, as long as God is with me, I think that I can do well, because I know that God cares about podcasts a lot. David, I was just going to say, because you mentioned this room when we started, mm-hmm. do you want to talk about the poker game that happens here? There's a poker game that happens here occasionally, not regularly like it used to. Um, there's much swearing. The players include my humble self, Len Wein, beloved as the creator of Wolverine, Steve Mitchell, uh, a former inker of the Bat Books and uh, all-around swell guy, and who you, oh, John Callan, uh, raconteur, bon vivant, gourmet, gourmand, <laughs> and man about town. You know him by his trademark. A little pencil-thin mustache. Um, <laughs> we'll, we'll include that. We fellow. call it the Walt. <laughs> exactly. And uh, Matt Wayne, uh, also a writer of some note. Oh, Actually, wrote several for, notes. Who wrote for Justice League Unlimited. Right. And okay. Marty Pascoe. Marty Pascoe was my story editor on Batman Tass, as mm. we call it. Oh, and Mauve Wolfman. Yeah, Mauve. Oh, my God. <laughs> I almost forgot Mauve. Creator of Blade. Uh, what the heck else? Oh, Marv created, like... A thousand jillion. Oh yeah, I mean the, the Crisis on Infinite Earths and Teen yeah, Titans. yeah, yeah. There you go, there you go. Teen Titans. That's Mark. I just Teen thought Titans. It, I thought it was really funny that of basically everyone you named at that table, except for the one that is not a writer, right? Every single one has a tie to the the Bruce Tim animated universe. Yeah, and I'm not sure Mitchell. I don't. Th- Mitchell actually has written animation. He wrote some. I think G.I. Joe's or Transformers and things like that. So he's he's not he's not outside the ballpark, but I don't know if he wrote for Batman. So this is a table of Batman to some extent. <laughs> this, this is the proper place Which to is, record every yes, episode exactly, from now on. Exactly. So I'll be over. Okay. Uh, I'll invite people cool. over. And uh, oh, and I just want to say that poker game goes all the way back to New York when they were actually writing real, you know, comics. Well they a lot of them still do write comics and there were other people in it. I mean, I'm sure at some point or other there were... I mean, I know that... Uh, oh, God. Frank Miller was in it. Really? Yeah. I, didn't, I did not know. Marty tells a story about Frank Miller literally like the year he moved to New York. Just like a small town kid who was just shell-shocked by urban life. Yeah, just yeah, constantly yeah. like yeah. hearing sirens and looking out down on the street below and just being like, It's full of criminals. <laughs> It's a cesspool of crime. And here we are. And that's where it came from. Uh, Well, we're here. We last episode talked about if you're so smart, why aren't you rich? As well as, you know, how... Stuff. Stuff. How you got from, you know, being a child prodigy to an adult prodigy. Uh, So now we are going to dive into The Strange Secret of Bruce Wayne, which you have a story credit for. Right. I do. Uh, So you didn't write the episode. It was co-written by... Uh, well, uh, yes, uh, Gar and Judy Reeve Stevens, a husband and wife writing couple, who are friends of mine. Uh, I've known them for a long time. They're quite talented. Uh, good writers. Um, uh, How did but, you dive into the episode? How well, did you get the job for this one? Same as Marty said. Okay, now you're going to do... We basically... Here's how it went. <clears throat> he said, we want to do an episode with Dr. Hugo Strange. I said, fine. He said, you go strange. I don't want to go strange. <laughs> um, I said, fine. He said, it's where he uses this like brainwave recording device to get secrets from his rich patients that he can then blackmail with them with. 
And Bruce goes to investigate and he discovers Bruce is Batman. And my recollection, my recollection, my tongue may not be working. My recollection may be off, in which case I'll probably get a bunch of angry emails from Marty. But as I recall, the point of all that was to do the definitive Bruce Wayne couldn't possibly be Batman episode. Uh, and my reaction to that was, eh, this is not my thing, you know. I'm not, I'm not crazy about the premise. I'm not crazy. He said, and we're going to have the Joker in it. I said, okay, I'll do it. Because I really wanted to do the Joker. Right. At this point, you were handed Clock King as your first villain, right. and you really wanted to do the Joker. Right. Originally. And then I was handed uh, um, the Riddler, and I really wanted to do the Joker because I had known Jerry Robinson all my life. And this time, okay, it was a chance to do the Joker. I'm, I, I, I sort of hate the, you know, oh, it's Alfred, you know, under the cowl, uh, and he shaved his mustache off surreptitiously kind of thing. He's so got a totally different accent. Right. <laughs> right. Um, but I went, okay. All right. The heck. And besides that, it was money. And I'm sure I needed the money. So, um, <clears throat> excuse me, after all this podcasting, my, my voice is going a little bit. Yeah, we have been going for seven hours straight. It's unbelievable. I had no idea I had that many words in me. Um, it's, we've been going for seven hours straight, and he has easily 15 minutes of usable material. <laughs> so, it's good. Um, so... It's still half the length of Marty Pasco's episode. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, I can imagine. Marty is, uh, Marty can maunder. Um, so, uh, and the other thing that I remember was that having gotten a lot of guidance, having gotten like not much guidance on the Clock King, it was like, well, just do something good with him instead of what they did in the TV series. And having gotten a lot of guidance on the Riddler because Marty had come up with this massive backstory and all and you know and a whole lot of well we don't want this we don't want that and we don't want you know and i do remember asking him what do you do what do you do want uh-huh. you know and it was like good we want good you know but uh that i didn't get a lot of guidance on this one and as and i kind of felt like i really could have used it for a change because i just didn't think the story was all that terribly interesting now was it pulled directly from like there it kind of is based on a comic i thought uh, unless it was just the character. I have allegedly or... heard that it is based on a Steve Englehart yeah. script. I've never seen it. Nobody showed it to me. And I don't, if I was told at the time, I forgot it five minutes later, as I am prone to do. Uh, but I never saw the comic. In fact, I only learned it was based on an Englehart thing when I looked it up yesterday in the IMDb. And I saw they listed like 12 writers. And I was going, okay, that's that's a bit excessive what do they mean and I said oh okay so it's based on that but I I just you know what was interesting to me was what I liked was the idea that you think Bruce is doing a really stupid thing but it's all part of a plot to to really to help the people you know who are being blackmailed but also uh, to do the definitive you know uh, there's no way Bruce Wayne could be Batman moment to preserve his secret identity. I mean, that to me was all interesting. What was especially the way I built it, which we did not really get in the finished version, was that they wind up going to Bruce Manor. He said, I found out, he sees originally Strange on the video projector screen, which is in where Bruce, you know, gets hooked up, his brain hooked up to the equipment. Right. He sees, you know, the bat poles. He sees the grandfather clock that's access to the Batcave. He sees the Batcave. He sees all the stuff in all the secret stuff in Wayne Manor. 
So what happens when they get there is Bruce, of course, is like 12 steps ahead of him. All that stuff has been changed. And I forget what the ju- the justification for this was, but Strange and the Joker go to Wayne Manor and they start. He says, it was here. I saw this. And he opens it and it's a regular clock. And it's here. And I saw this. No, there was a pole here. Well, and there's nothing. Fun. And and it's like, and and Strange is like getting more frustrated and crazier and more out of control to the point where the Joker is actually saying, I feel strangely calm and sane next to you at this point. There was one moment, literally, where Doctor Strange is so... I, I trip on saying Doctor Strange because that's like, no, that's They do Marvel. call him Doctor Strange. Yeah, well, as they down. would, but, you know... But, but you where, just think of, yeah. Where, where Strange is so frustrated, you know, that he's almost frothing at the mouth and Joker says... He's found another thing that should be there that's not there or whatever it is. And the Joker says, well, are we going to just, you know, are we going to actually take matters in our own hands and find Wayne and track him down and like torture him or something? Or are we going to stand around acting like four-year-olds? And at that moment, Strange rips his shirt. He rends his garment. And the Joker goes, okay, we're going to act like four-year-olds. I see. <laughs> so that was like, that was like my favorite little moment in the whole thing. And then... I don't think it was Robin when we did the old switcheroo of, you know, who was who, because uh, you have Bruce and the Batman in the same. I, it didn't, I think it was Alfred, and I, I, I was never crazy about the, but I really needed somebody to bounce ideas off of, and I, I felt like I never got that. So in my own justification, A, I never thought it was a great idea for a story anyway, because it's like, it's thinky, it's talky, where's the action, you know, where's the fight scenes, all that kind of good stuff. And... Also, I just didn't get a lot of feedback, so I turned it in, expecting notes. I said, you know, I'm I'm shooting you a rough draft because I've taken it without input. I think, think I've taken it as far as I can. And the next thing I knew, it was like I never heard from anybody again. And then the next thing I knew, it was airing, and it was with Gar and Judy having rewritten it. Oh, now, so you had no idea. I don't. I may Marty wouldn't have stiffed me because Marty's a friend. But I think it just, if he told me, I was like, okay, whatever, because I was not happy with the way the script was turning out. I think what I did was better, honestly, than what aired, but, and and to a certain degree, some of, I mean, the shape of the story is still basically mine. It's still that Bruce deliberately goes in to see Strange to, you know, and, and creates the tape that he wants to show to, you know, the, but, but then there was this stuff like, okay, it was supposed to just be the Joker. And Strange, you know, selling this to the Joker. And the Joker was like, okay, you're going to take me to Wayne Manor. And when we find out that he really is the Batman, then he, then you get paid, you know. And in, in their version, it's like he's auctioning it off to the three of the rogues. I'm like, why do you need to auction off Batman's secret identity? Once one of them knows, why would they want to keep it a secret from anybody? Oh, so I can go kill him? Who cares? It didn't. I mean, is it me? Does that make any sense no, I don't at all? Know why they pull their money together either? Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's like what? John, Jonathan is this broad grin. Oh, I, 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 I honestly have no opinion. Okay. Uh, all right. It seems, uh, it seems plausible. Uh, it seems way. completely implausible to me. Yes. It seems, it seems plausible that it is implausible. Well, but it's like really, you're expecting the Penguin to outbid the Joker to be outbid by Two Face because. I want to be the one to know, and the rest of you guys have to leave, and you didn't bring guns with you. I mean, as a plan, it's like, has he thought this through to the end game? It seems like at the very least you could have used it as one of those 
Deeny scenes of of a, a, an excuse to have the rogues as kind of fighting siblings that right. are more silly than anything. Right. No, I, I agree. I, it just that to me. I mean, when I watched it again last night, and literally for the first time since it aired, you know, I was just going, "What? What? They wouldn't do?" And it's you know, okay, that was their version of doing it. And then there's that climax on an airplane that you know was like kind of out of left field. That was very weird. But but you know, it was basically. The shape of the story was still the same, uh, and 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 especially in the opening is very much me. And then it gets kind of less me until you get to the end where there's the switcheroo, and that's what I did, but I didn't do that switcheroo. Robin was not in my draft. Neither were obviously uh, Two Face and uh, Penguin. I feel like we lost uh, kind of the fun of what you were saying, which is that Bruce is going in there deliberately. I mean, he does fly there deliberately, but he doesn't. I don't understand why he would let well, but his brain be. He, yeah, it makes no sense. And here's the thing: we didn't we didn't explain it up front. Oh, I'm going to go there, and I'm going to you know. No, of course not. It just looks like, and it was tricky to do because it's like you're Bruce Wayne. You should be you know more than anyone. You should be nowhere near that right, freaking machine. Like bad detective work. But that state. was their premise, and it's like I was stuck with it, and sure. I couldn't come up with a better way to have him. So the best way is he's actually doing it on purpose. He's going to let him know. Well, I love that it's more about that in the original script, and then he right. does end up right. you know, taking him to... He's going to let him know. Him. He knows he's going to let him know. It's just that you need to keep that a secret from the audience so there's some surprise when it, when he realizes how smart Bruce has been and how clever, right? Right, that's the but, but But then how do you hide it from the audience without Bruce looking like a complete idiot at the beginning for letting him hook up the machine to his brain, right? Mm-hmm. So that was, that was very tricky. And I don't blame them for rewriting it and I was really felt done with it. I, I was not, I, I didn't like it really, you know, at all. Honestly, is what they did an improvement to me? It's kind of sideways, you know, from what I did. But also, I don't have a copy of the script, so I, I was not able to go consult my script and go, Oh my god, this is genius! How could they look at this? This would have been so much better. I, I have no idea. I, 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 it's it's the script exists in WordStar, a format that only George R. R. Martin uses now. Wow. <laughs> Well, what about the Clock King? Let's dive into that one. Uh, that the was big the story script. about the Clock King is, you know, everybody else gets the Riddler, you know, or the Joker, rather, or Catwoman, or whatnot. I get the friggin' Clock King. <laughs> and then I thought of Cagliostro, the, which, the Castle of Cagliostro, by the first feature film by the great Hayao Miyazaki, whose climax famously takes place among the giant gears of a huge gothic clock tower and I went Batman and the Clock King dueling among the gears of a giant clock tower and I remember reading an interview in I think Cinefantastique with uh, who directed that one Um, was it uh, well anyway the guy who directed it where he said yes yes I deliberately made the climax an homage to Miyazaki's Castle of Cagliostro and I was like dude that was in the fucking script excuse (laughs) me you didn't, you, you didn't think I didn't, you, you know, where do you think you got it from? And and I was going to, like, complain and call him out on it. And then I went, nah, you know what? If he wants to take credit for ripping off another guy, let him have the credit. <laughs> you know, I have no problem with that. So, But it was definitely, uh, I, I have been in the thrall of that film ever since the first time I saw it. I, I literally had an experience like that once where I put in a casting suggestion in a script where I was like, oh, you should cast this person as this mm-hmm. villain. And then, you know, a week goes by, I get a phone call from my story editor, and he goes, oh, you know, 
Like, the guy in charge of the network came up with a great idea. Like, we should cast this guy. Right. And you, all you can do is just go, oh, yeah, yeah, he's a genius. Yeah, wow, amazing that that idea came out of nowhere. <laughs> okay, yeah. great. Yep. Thank you. See, I, I, I was shameless. I would go, don't you remember I said that last week? You I know? had those versions of the experience Really? Well. You actually <laughs> don't remember that I told you the same thing last week? Oh. Uh, well, what but, about this Lost episode? You, you teased this off mic. Uh, wrote, yeah. Didn't get produced. Okay, so we, by the way, I've got tons of Clock King questions. Oh yeah, oh, go ahead, go ahead. Let's stay on Clock King. So, so, so here's my question: Is is what was the Clock King in the comics at this point? Because like I've seen him in the '60s show. Wasn't he a I Green Arrow villain originally? It sounds right. I'd like to answer that question, if I may. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> um, I don't actually know because again, I didn't consult the comics. But all I of, just remembered. Walter Slezak. But all of the fastidious, anally compulsive elements. Oh, that was totally all that you. that all that all came from Yeah, well, okay, so think logically. You've got the clock king. He's about time. So the idea was and I I came up with this and Marty contributed to because I, I basically came this was the feedback that I, I felt I didn't get on uh Strange Case of Bruce Wayne, where I would bounce this stuff off of him and he'd throw in and I and I would slowly build the premise out of it, which is this guy is obsessed with punctuality because he's into cl- he's into the cl- you know, and when his mind snaps, the clock becomes his, uh, his what do they call it? Um, his uh, uh, fetish, uh, like a Zuni fetish, like a you know, literally a fetish. Um, and uh, and the reason that his life is ruined is because he was two minutes late. For an important thing he had to be at, because Mayor Hill said, you're wound too tight, dude. Take an afternoon off. And he does it, and it makes him two minutes late, and his mind just snaps. And he is now obsessed with everything he does has to do with timing. If you notice, every move he makes has to do with it. split-second timing, like when he just falls off the top of the roof. And, and there's the train underneath. Of course, he has much more confidence in the in the uh, reliability of train schedules than I would, but, you know, everything is about time, 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 precision, precision, precision. And that, to me, was sort of an interesting character. I totally do not relate to that character at all. I am, like, completely the opposite of that character, but that doesn't mean it's not interesting. Well, you're a writer. I think all writers are the opposite of that character. Yeah, it's like, when lose. was the deadline? Two right. weeks ago? Yeah, okay, exactly. all right, last minute. Yeah, <laughs> yeah pretty much. But, like, uh... A- oh, dude, I'm, I'm like, is it 2010 yet? <laughs> That's how far behind I am. But Justin and I talked about this on on a previous episode. Uh, the idea that every Batman villain, in some way, is a dramatic counterpoint represents a, a way Batman could fall and and be too far one thing, or a thing Batman is too obsessed with, mm-hmm. or a, a a mirror of Batman in some way. And it's like what's so I like I love the Clock King as a character, the way you wrote him. And I think what's so awesome about him is you know who else has a fetish for timekeeping? Batman. Like right. he is the ultimate preparation hero. Right. right. The difference between Batman and any of the rogues and thank you for that compliment, by the way, is that Batman is a little saner. Than the rogues, yeah, but they are all—they're <laughs> all basically funhouse mirrors of different aspects of the human psyche. 
uh, Batman's is arguably of all of them the least warped, as Funhouse mirrors go. Uh, it's it's the one that can give you an accurate reflection. That's and he he lets it be a Funhouse mirror, but he keeps it accurate because he knows that's what he needs to fight these insane criminals. And all I mean, it's like is there a a I mean, they all have fetishes, but that's just because of the visual. They have to have a visual motif. Uh, but they it's to me, they each represent, you know, some different kind of unusual psychological, you know, issue or behavior. And in fact, there's, there's a whole podcast uh, that my friend uh, Drea Ledmati, I think that's how her name is pronounced, does right, about the Arkham that, Sessions. Right, that, that basically puts This is all just going to be bleeped in the podcast. Like, this is all just going to be like, no advertising. Whatever, I, I don't care. I make this on my own. We can do whatever we want. Uh, <laughs> well, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't particularly care one way or the other, but the point is she's able to, you know, basically get a podcast, you know, a running podcast worth of material out of the psychology because they each of them has certain pathologies. Uh, and the Clock Kings, obviously, is punctuality. But more than that, what is that kind of level of fastidiousness or punctuality? And, it, and we have discussed this in great depth on Twitter <laughs> um, in 140 character bursts. Uh, it's the fight against chaos. Chaos, he blames cha- the chaos when all those pages of his report blew into the air and blew all over the park on that day that he took Hill's advice. Chaos is the enemy. I will tame chaos. I will master chaos. I will cage chaos. I will conquer it. But you can't because chaos always wins in the end. Which is, I think, one of the things that's so interesting about the fact that I, I'd say almost to a T, every Batman built villain has a pathos, has a tragedy at the core of them, except for the Joker. You know, and it's like even the origin stories we get about the Joker are supposed to be lies, I think, if you read them properly, right? And it's I like. I thought he was just fell in a vat of chemicals or something. And who cares? <laughs> I, but yeah, like, who cares? Exactly. Because the important thing about him is not that he cares about anything or wants anything. He is always the exterior force acting upon a character. You're the unlucky SOB that runs across the Joker on the street. Right. right. And it's like, in that sense, it's like the, the Joker is the unplanned for that Batman is always struggling against. And that's why it's so interesting, I think, to see a a character that is a flip and comes at Batman from the other side and is someone equally obsessed with caging the uncageable. Right, right. That's that's exactly right. And, and, uh, uh, but to him, that, what, and this is why Batman is the sane one, okay, it's actually crippled him. He has a mental disability, as it were as a result of this and Batman knows it and he's able to use it, uh, you know, in order, in order to stop him. So that's, you know, and that's the issue with all of these, you know, he's, he's Batman through the looking glass basically. And it, that doesn't work because for all of the, you know, close to the, you know, walking that knife edge of sanity and madness that Batman does, he is sane. Which nicely brings us to my story that got killed. Ooh, what a segue. <laughs> this, this, this was in the second season. Uh, Marty was no longer on the show, as far as I recall. Uh, and Michael Reeves, my other friend who was story editor, called me up and said, 
you want to do another Batman? And I went, well, you know, the last one was, you know, I said, I'll relax. It'll be fun. I went, yeah, okay. Besides which, I kind of have an idea for a story. So, uh, basically, I worked out the story, ran it past Michael. He was cool with it. Wrote it up as a story outline, which I swear I'm going to read aloud and post on YouTube one of these days. Please do. It reads really well. Um, Called The Darkest Night. Uh, and my, the, well, I'm, I won't tell you what the idea. You'll, you'll, you'll get it as I tell the story. But basically, it starts with Batman is rushing. Uh, Mayor Hill has been kidnapped, and Batman is rushing to the meet point. You know, million dollars in cash, or the mayor gets it, and he shows up, and there's no Mayor Hill. What there is is these these blonde, handsome, kind of paramilitary patent leather, slightly homoerotic, jack-booted Hitler youths who are the personal militia of one Sanford Grissom. And the Batman knows who Sanford Grissom is. He's one of the few billionaires. He's one of the few guys in the city that's almost as rich as Bruce Wayne. Very, He's a right-wing extremist. Uh, very law and order. Um... Batman shows up, says, where's Mayor Hill? On his way home in comfort and security, I hope. This was just a ruse to get you here. And one of the Hitler youth (laughs) raises a handheld gas canister and gas maces Batman with gas. Because um, Sanford Grissom thinks Batman is a a good idea for solving crime in Gotham, but he doesn't go far enough. Okay, a couple days later, Dick Grayson returns from school where he's off and off, unannounced. Um, No Alfred. Where's Alfred? Goes into the Batcave. The wall of TVs is alive with showing, like, every crime currently happening. We would use, um, like, uh, traffic cams and stuff nowadays, but it's like the police blimp cams and, you know, the monitors that are everywhere. There's, like... A hundred crimes unfolding on the screens, and there's Bruce Bat Bruce slash Batman, which was our code for. He's in the Batcave, but he's got the cowl off, right? <laughs> Sitting, staring, almost like a zombie, at this panoply of of crimes unfolding on the screens, and he goes, "So many crimes, I'm just one man. How to choose? How to choose?" And he and and Dick is like, "Bruce, you okay?" And he stands and holding his arms out like a divining rod, he goes from screen to screen to screen. He goes, that one. And he goes tearing off and Dick is like, throws on his Robin suit and, you know, jumps in the Batmobile with him. He tears after this punk who's on a causeway somewhere uh, uh, having just robbed something or other. And he basically forces him over and it's an overpass causeway grabs him, leaps to the roof of a tall building below the causeway. And this is something that, you know, I said to Michael, I've always wanted to do this because it was a joke that the Batman always dangles the guy, the, 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 the hood off the edge of the building to get him to talk. So, you know, and, and he's, so he's dangling the hood off the edge of the building and the hood's going, please, I'll give, I'll give you the money back. Come on, I left it right there. You can have the money back. I'll talk. I'll tell you whatever you want. He goes, who says I want to hear anything from you? And he drops it. 
He lets him go. And Robin, like, pushes off the side of the building, fires a bat grappler, you know, snags him and pulls him to safety so that he doesn't die. But he's back. He's like, Bruce, what the hell is the matter with you? And Bruce just goes back to the Batcave. Anyway, so I'm, I'm, I'm almost doing the beats, and I shouldn't do the beats. So Robin now knows Bruce. Oh, and then when they get home, Robin finds that Alfred has been tied up and stuffed in a closet by Bruce. And he, you know, breaks him out and unties him, and Alfred says he's gone mad. She calls in a doctor. Who's the woman? Who's Leslie the, Tompkins. Leslie Tompkins. And Leslie Tompkins is just like, you knew this was going to happen one day. I mean, it's, you know, um, we may be able to cure him, but, you know, I, there's nothing I can do now. We're going to have to bring him out. We're probably going to have to institutionalize him for a while, and it's going to take a long time. He's, he's finally gone over the edge. And Robin isn't so sure. Robin thinks, you know, okay, not over, not in one day. Because, you know, Alfred's only been in the closet for one day. He talked to Bruce on the phone the day before. Bruce was fine. You know, something's going on here. So he says, I, who is an expert on madness? i got to talk to somebody who understands this because I think there's something pharmacological going on here. Who would know that sort of thing? Off he goes to Arkham Asylum. He waits for its most famous patient to be rolled out in restraints, wrapped in a straitjacket, tied to an upright, like Hannibal Lecter, basically, this being the year of Silence of the Lamb. Restraints on his face, the Joker comes out. And basically, you know, the Joker does a mind fuck on Robin and says, You knew this day was going to come, didn't you? He took away all your the sunshine from your childhood and brought your worst nightmares to life. You he's been heading for this edge that he's just passed all along. And he, he mind fucks Robin so so bad that Robin like actually starts to run from the room, clutching his mouth about to vomit. And then he stops and he goes, No, no, he's messing with you. He's the Joker, come on. And he he goes, There's a way to do this and he turns around and he goes back in and he turns the table on, on the Joker and says, You know he can't last long like this. You know it's only a matter of time before, you know, he gets splattered or somebody takes him out. Or, you know, he blows himself up in order to stop, you know, a bad guy or whatever. Uh, you're going to miss your chance to be the one to kill the Batman. And the Joker goes, I don't care. And Robin goes, it's going to be an accident. It's going to be listed as, you know, death, cause of death, misadventure, not cause of death, Joker. And the Joker goes, Oh, all right. There's this drug called, you know, and, and he tells him the drug and then he's got to go to the the Batcave and break it down. You know, he finds a sample of it and figure out an antidote. Meanwhile, Batman has been going all over town throwing rocks with notes basically on them through the the hideouts of every rogue in the city <laughs> who's not in Arkham Asylum. And at this point, Michael and I wanted to have a scene because the second Batman, Batman... Uh, returns. returns had come out which we had all just hated with a passion and we wanted to when he goes to the penguin have the penguin in his lair pacing back and forth you know hand in his chin going while his minions sit around you know eating raw fish going how to kill the Batman how to kill the Batman and one of the minions finally goes I got it I got it penguin goes what what we get a bunch of robotic penguins and strap missiles to their back. <laughs> the penguin goes, 
Hmm. That is the stupidest idea I have ever heard. <laughs> um, so, you know, he's throwing, you know, the ventriloquist, everybody's windows, you know, saying, if you want to get the Batman, come to the Go- Gotham Sports Dome tonight at midnight. Which is big dome sports arena. So Robin finally has an injectable, like an EpiPen of uh, antidote for this stuff. But when he tries to get near Bruce, oh, that was actually one of the act outs. When he tries to get near Batman to deliver it, Batman thinks he's trying to kill him because he's already paranoid, you know, as a his old get out. And he, fi- <laughs> the act out was he fires one of the grappling harpoons right at Robin's chest. And then we come back, and of course, he dodges it just in time. But, you know, it's like, this is the level of, like, dark I wanted to take all this to. We haven't gotten to the darkest part yet. So, Gotham Sports Arena. All the rogues are there. They're looking at each other. They're going, this is a trap. Come on. It's a trap. He's going to trap us. we got to get out of it. And, and they, they said, you know, we shouldn't be here. Let's run. They turn and start running. Spotlight hits the center of the sports dome. There's Batman, head down, cowl. Cape and cowl just wrapped around him like this, closed like this. And he says, so you all want a piece of me, huh? Every one of you is just itching to be the one who gets rid of the Batman. You want to get rid of me? You want to get rid of me? Well, come on! We're all going out together. And he whips his arms out and he's wearing basically, you know, 100 pounds of TNT. He's wearing a suicide vest, which which is why I would never do this story in this day and age. <laughs> Dear God. But, you know, back then, they... They, they, back they then, any. suicide vests were. There were no suicide friendly. vests. Yeah. yeah, there were no suicide Less of a vests real back thing. then. Yeah, exactly. So you know, in meanwhile, Grissom's paramilitary guys have bought, blocked every entrance, and and you know, a huge fight commences, and um, I think they pull the vest off of Batman, but he's got the triggering device. Starts climbing, trying to climb clear, and Robin finally confronts him. And he says, I'm going to let him have it right now. And he's holding the trigger and he goes, Bruce, don't do this. And he looks right in his eye. And for just a second, Bruce comes back and he, he deactivates the thing. And in, actually, that's not, no, that's not it. No, I'm sorry. I take it back. Bruce, he says, Bruce, don't do this. Bruce looks him in the eye for a split second and you see him pause. And in that split second, boom, he gets him with the antidote. Bruce passes out. He grabs him before he can fall to the bottom of the dome. Uh, they head outside. The police blimps are moving in to round up the rogues and whatnot. And the last scene is we've established that uh, Sanford Grissom has his bedroom is like a, and his mansion is like a hospital room. The only thing mansion like it is this baronial four poster. Otherwise, it's life support system. that has got an operating theater in it, and he's dying in his bed. And Batman and Robin show up and there's his doctor standing over him and they show up to arrest him basically. And the doctor pulls the sheet over Grissom's face and turns to him and says, he wasn't all bad. He really cared about the city. Uh, He cared about crime. He cared about the people who were the victims of crime. It's true. He went a little mad toward the end and he looks at Batman and says, but then again, don't we all? And that's our out. Oh, man. That was riveted. <laughs> I don't think you need to do the YouTube thing. No, I think that you, was I incredible. I think we just did it. 
I think you should build this. And that was killed for being too dark. Was that too dark? That is fine children's entertainment. I mean, come on. Kids would have eaten that up. I mean, you didn't Mommy, I want a suicide vest. You didn't even blow up Batman. No. That's not not dark. No. But truthfully, they were trying to do a lighter tone, the second season. Mm. And that was really the problem. And we might have gotten away with it with some, doubtless with some modifications in the first season. But in the second season, they just weren't interested. And I was like, oh. This is like the best thing I've ever done. Yeah, that's incredible. Uh, yeah, but and, and 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 there was the shot of a the sound of a single shot being fired and a fluttering of pages falling to the ground. It got killed. It got killed. So anyway, you gotta have that read at a comic con or something. I, I I'm thinking about it. I have the story outline and I actually reread it. And it re, if I may say so myself, I actually put a fair amount of effort into the prose, into the word slinging on it. I was like, well, this reads like a story. I was really trying to sell this thing. I was really into this one. I just dug it. I just loved the idea because, you know, <clears throat> it was kind of new. It was from Miller, really, and from The Dark Knight. The idea that Batman, he's kind of a psycho, you know. It was if only implied, you know, going back through the, you know, the run of the comic. And certainly, you know, the Adam West Batman is no psycho. And and I, I, I really thought, you know... Okay, what if he just gets that little push and actually becomes psychotic? What would happen? And that was that was the basic idea that was then explored. And, and you know, I think it would have been absolute nightmare fuel for any eight-year-olds watching Ooh, it. I would have eaten it up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I think there's something really cool there, like, especially in the idea that, like, you know, especially in the later stuff, you know, we we well explore this idea that like Batman keeps the kryptonite ring on him mm-hmm. in case Superman ever goes nuts. Right. Right. The master planner Batman. <laughs> but is there a contingency plan for Batman himself? You know, does do Robin and Alfred know? Like the minute he loses it, like we just go here and we get the gun, and like that's the end of Batman. Ooh, if anything, I think it's Batman who's got the contingency plan for Batman. Right, it's like a video that he's recorded. In, like, some <laughs> here was the other state. thing that was kind of interesting about it is that it's really a Robin story. Robin's the hero, and the thing about Robin, I always you said there's some Donatello and Robin. I wrote Robin very light because I thought he needs to be the sunshine to the shadow. I mean, look at his costume for God's sakes. And I I felt confident, although I was not would not be in charge of these things, that just because you're emotionally kind of following Robin through the story because he's trying to fix Bruce, um, that Robin would kind of keep your spirits buoyed when you you know, except for the bit where he runs out of the room in Arkham Asylum clutching his mouth about to heave, um, that he would but you know, he turns the table on the Joker. He gets the Joker, he gets what he needs, he's doing it, you know. And, you know, and he gets to he gets to pal around with Alfred a fair amount, which didn't happen a lot, as I recall, in the animated series. But, uh, yeah, that would have been a good one. I, I, you know, it might have it might have really brought down the wrath of God on the series. But I mean, did they do anything that I mean, to me, just stuff like God firing machine guns. Mm hmm. You can't, you can't do that. No, the fact that they get away with that in the show is kind of nuts. It's totally nuts. Um. So what do you think of, you guys think of uh, The Strange Case of Bruce Wayne? I'm curious. And why did you want to, why were you so eager to ask about it? Because well, to me it's like, the even, if I hadn't been, even if I hadn't been rewritten on it, I would go, that was not my best episode. You know, if, that, if, if it was just my name on the credits, whether it was that version or the version I actually wrote, which was a little different, either way I, I would have been like, 
I don't think that wasn't, you know. I mean, for the, me as a the kid. The obligatory, you know, unmasking the Batman so we can prove Bruce Wayne isn't the Batman show. The appeal was very much like a 60s Batman kind of style villain team up uh, and kind of ignored. Which I think worked better, honestly, if it was just Strange and the Joker. Right. Uh, you know, bringing in two other guys. I mean, it's, it's except for me the logic that these guys would bid. Like it's an auction, you know. Well, it is a bit of your. I think you're right. Like when talking about it, it's like a little clunkier in terms of like how we get from point A to point B. Also, I I didn't see anybody necessary. giving him any paddles, you know, for auction. So <laughs> yeah, if there are no That's paddles, the, it's not official. It spoiled the realism for me. But uh, I'm curious to know what you think of it because I'm not objective about it. Obviously, I'm not objective for two reasons. One, I was rewritten, and you're never objective when you're rewritten. And two. You know, honestly, I actually thought what I wrote was was needed a rewrite. So I think it's I think it's a really fun idea. Uh, at least for me, like going into it, I think it's a fun idea to explore this. Somebody who's got access to mm-hmm. the information that Batman is Bruce Wayne. Mm-hmm. But you're right; there wasn't a lot of action until the end. Well, I just, I just, the thing I liked about it was the whole idea that at the end you realize, oh, this has been Bruce Plans, right. Bruce's plan all Which along. Which it doesn't feel like is. It doesn't really land. They didn't really land version. it, and I'm not sure I landed it. In all fairness, you know, I'm not sure I landed it in my version either. It's very hard to pull off without Bruce looking like just adult for even going to see Hugo Strange, mm-hmm. you know, at the beginning. I mean, honestly, there's, you know, I, I do not remember it that well, which was really what was going on when I just was not talking yeah. about it. Uh, the the thing that I would would say about it, just from whatever dim recollection I have, is... There's like half a dozen or so, maybe like a scant more number of episodes of the original animated series that kind of all have generic titles and play to me like just like kind of subpar Hitchcock movies. Mm-hmm. You mean like The Clock King? Uh, no, no. I think that's a wonderful. Yeah, no. I love Clock King. Yeah, I will tell you, Marty wanted to title it Time, comma, See What's Become of Me. Which is a line from a Simon and Garfunkel song. Uh-huh. And I dearly love the song, and I am so glad it was not titled that. <laughs> a Clock King is way better. It's short, snappy, to the point. Run with it, Parker. <laughs> um, Whoa, JJJ. <laughs> Your hair is spikier than usual this morning, boss. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, to me it was just like, it was a misfire all the way around the board, and that's not to cast any aspersions on Gar and Judy. I think ultimately the idea just, it was an idea that could not be made to work in the time allotted. Maybe in the second season somebody would have come up with, you need just the right idea. I mean, what's weird is, is looking back at, on on them as a, an adult fan, Hugo Strange feels like he's often ranked up there with big Batman villains, but as a kid he doesn't actually even feel like a villain. Like, sometimes the driving forces of Batman episodes are, like, the real villains. Like, in the Riddler episode, the real villain's just a D-bag, right? Like, right. Like, yeah, he's Moncton. Yeah. Yeah. And those are always, you know, and, and you just did the episode on um, the the Joker's Wild. Right. Where it's like, again, just like a construction D-bag is like the real villain. 
And those really worked as sort of like the driving forces of the more colorful actors in the show. Mm-hmm. But like Hugo Strange would not have played to me as like a, oh, it's a rogue. Like he just would have played to me as a guy. He looks like a cabinet of Dr. Caligari. He, Weird. But, but here's yeah. the thing that's interesting. And I think it's more interesting to adults than it would be to children. We talked about, you know, all these characters representing some fractured, you know, aspect of abnormal human behavior and the standard issue human psyche. He's a shrink. He should be the sanest. And there's a there's a really interesting, you know, conflict and dichotomy in that, which I don't think anybody has ever really... I mean, maybe some of the... Com- I bet there's some great Hugo Strange comic that I never read where they kind of nail that, mm-hmm. that here's, here's a shrink who belongs in Arkham Asylum. That's interesting, you know. But uh, I, I haven't seen it. I've never seen it actually properly pulled up. That doesn't mean... It's just the same way that I've never seen the... Captain America is revived in the present story that really talks about the, that really deals with the culture shock in like to me that's the most interesting that is the thing. most interesting right and nobody's down. and it's always he just shows up and he's a little dismayed and then he's fine have you ever thought about the dates of that because what is it? it's like the war ends in 45 mm, and Cap gets unfrozen by the Avengers in what 62 maybe three Right. Two or three, yeah. So we're talking ultimately about 17 years of time. Right. Like, that's like, that's like between now and the, and like the invention of the internet. Right? It's like if Cap, like it's the difference between 56K modems and like. No, but it's not because here's the thing you don't know, um, being, uh, you know, uh, young. (laughs) (laughs) The, the. Other than computers, the sort of massive progress that the human race, technological progress the human race was making for the past hundred years up to like between 1890 and 1990 has stopped. It's almost stopped. Everything is just miniaturization, data, and computers. We haven't come up with any new star drives yet to, you know, to, to, to beat the solid fuel booster. We haven't really... Okay, we've got battery-powered cars, but that technology theoretically has existed since, you know, like the 1890s. You know, it's really old technology in a way, and in the general outline of it. So, but between 45 and um, uh, uh, 62, we had science fiction happen. We were actually launching rockets, uh, telecommunications exploded. Television happened. Television was known about that, you know, in the 40s they knew it was coming, but it had not come yet. I mean, there were all sorts of massive cultural shifts. The cultural shift, just culturally between 45 and 62, between the greatest generation and beatniks and early hippies, colossal. So even in that, but I mean, like in the Avengers Avengers or in Captain America First Avengers, now it's like 50 Sixty years, right? And that's that—that's what the point I was making, yeah. right? Is like when when you read comics at our age, mm-hmm. it's such a big deal was made about like Frozen for so long, mm-hmm. and the world has changed so much. And then I, you know, the moment I was like, it's just seventeen years. Yeah, but here's the thing. But exactly, was that moment when you were a kid or when you were a grown up? It was when I was a grown up. Okay, when you're eight years old, seventeen years. Is a century. Oh and I, yeah, and I think yeah. it's also that. And you were you were 
you know, you hit this nail right on the head, right, is the difference between the greatest generation and the hippies, right? Right. Is really what the story of Captain America about is about, is Stan and Jack as a couple of guys who fought in World War II just writing about how weird it must have been to just be mm. like, yeah, I have no idea what's going and on. And I just wanted to see more of that. And I've never, has, have they ever in the comics ever really done the culture shock story of Captain America? No, because he's so sure in who he is. Like, the weird thing about Cap is he wakes up and he doesn't go, like, the world has changed. Like, woe is me. He well, wakes he's up not and angsty, he goes, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he wakes not... up and he goes, look what you guys can learn from, like, a real man, you know? Mm-hmm. Not not that he's ever that arrogant. No, he no, just, no, he's not. He but leads by example. I, 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 you know, to me, it's like... His journey would be... And I thought about doing a screenplay like this, like, around 2000 way before the Marvel Universe happened, of just with a Captain America-type superhero who wasn't Captain America, but mm-hmm. he, was from, he was Captain Victory or whatever, you know, from World War II, and he wakes up in the present, and the culture shock, it's a million small things, and it's not just the technology, it's really the culture, it's really not being able to understand what people say, but it's it, the ultimate journey of that character, and I would think if, I, if somebody said, you origin... You know, Captain America's revival, you know, is he has to find some, he has to find the America worth fighting for Mm -hmm. in this America that he completely doesn't understand. He has to find the essence of America that is still there. And then you've got a very satisfying and oddly enough, a kind of patriotic story that that would be the way i i would tell it but you know this is a batman podcast yeah he so. needs to wake up and that's enough with out. the free yeah. stuff <laughs> you're listening to captain america the animated podcast great 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 well i want to wrap things up with you're listening questions. to the nightbird here <laughs> yes sorry uh so fans have sent in questions to ask you so here are a few if you're willing to I'm, answer as long as they're personal oh they're very comic conny uh Hugo Strange, one of the oldest members in Batman's rogues gallery, has made a resurgence in popularity, appearing as a central antagonist in both Batman Arkham City and TV's Gotham. What do you think is the appeal of the character? (laughs) I think I already answered that question. To me, the appeal of the character is he should be the sanest one in the bunch, and he belongs in Arkham Asylum. He's a a, a trained, functioning, high-functioning, psychopath psychologist who should be in a straitjacket. Great. Who do you feel has the bigger case of obsessive-compulsive disorder, Edward Nigma or Temple Fugit? Oh, Temple Fugit, by a, by a mile. And, and yeah, he's... It, it, um, Enigma, Enigma is, is too high-functioning to really suffer from an obsessive-compulsive... He's really more got a vanity disorder, in my, my version. Uh, whereas Temple Fugit has found a way... He should be a really low-functioning person, but he's found a way to make it work in his favor as far as it goes. You know, his obsessive-compulsive behavior, he's, 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 he's found a way to function with it. Great. And he thinks it enhances. He thinks he's an enhanced human with an enhanced function because he's so punctual. You got to write three episodes featuring quite a few classic Batman villains. Were there any bad guys or gals that you didn't get to that you wish you c- could? Yeah, the usual Joker, although I did sort of write him, but not that wasn't my Joker. Um, Catwoman. Uh, I'm trying to think if there was anybody else that I really would have wanted. I, I always had a fondness for Egghead. 
But it was mainly because of the way Vincent Price, you know, excellent. That's exactly right. But for no particular reason, when you think about it, it is the dumbest care. He's like, he's bald and he's got an egg fetish. Well, How do you put that guy around. together? I don't know. Well, I, yeah, I mean, yeah, he was in a giant, he was trapped in a collapsing chicken coop and it scarred him for life. Um, but, but mainly Catwoman and the Joker. I mean, you know, it's the ones, the ones everybody loves. Did they do much with Catwoman in the in the series, or did I mean they? I know they. Yeah, they, they did, did a fair amount. Okay, because here's the other the problem: when you have the really good characters, you can wear them out. You know, I feel like she had some lesser episodes, or at least it was more about the high concept idea, and not about exploring something super interesting about Catwoman right. as a character. The only one you couldn't wear out for me was Julie Newmar. I don't know why, but it's no matter in in the worst Julie Newmar episode has an electricity that is found nowhere else in the 66 series. Mm. Oh, how we used to wait for that to come on. <laughs> oh, I was 11. when it, I was the perfect age this for that This was your show. Batman. That it's because they're playing a very subtextual thing. Like, like it, mm-hmm. That is clearly the story of two people who are this close to jumping into bed with each other. Oh. Who are, are, yeah. are just playing out crime foot crime committing and crime fighting as a kind of well but it's also they're just as close to jumping into bed with each other or killing each other yeah. it's the thin line between love and hate it's the obsessiveness of it and and obsession is kind of a through line in batman you know he's obsessed every one of the rogues is obsessed you know is there a not a not obsessed rogue no no i'd love to see a chill villain well, there was Joe Chill, but he wasn't. Yeah, the anyway. least chill of them all. Oh, yeah. Chillin'. Uh, all right, the last question is, of all the animated series that you've worked on, Transformers, Rescue Rangers, Batman, Wildcats, Masters of the Universe, to name a few, is what they said, which was your favorite, and were there any stories that you wish that you had been able to tell? It's a big question. Well, the story I wish I had been able to tell was the one you just heard, the, the Batman they killed, um, only for bragging rights. You know, it used to piss me off after, you know, because Turtles was big when we were doing Batman. I mean, I was literally writing Batman and Turtles at the same time. Uh, but, you know, I sort of became the go-to for haha funny superhero parody guy. And I, I was like, now nah, you wouldn't be right for this series. It's too dark. And I'm like, let me show you something. Okay. Uh, I get I get darker things than you for free with my breakfast cereal, you know. <laughs> um Anyway, uh, so that would be the one that I didn't get to. Uh, my favorite would have to be Turtles. When you create a series that, in essence, is still going 30, almost 30 years later. Is it 30 years? Is 87? So next year's 30th anniversary? Yeah. I mean, you know, it's been going continuously in one form or another for 30 years. And Eastman and Laird, all props, all credit, you know, but I did have something to do with it, too. And so, you know... Uh, and and that that five parter was you know certainly a high point. Uh, Batman certainly was another one. Um, my favorite series, I mean, just of the episodes that I did, and I wasn't allowed to do enough with it. I wasn't able to do with it all that I would like to do. Was a show that nobody saw on CBS called Cadillacs and Dinosaurs, based <laughs> on the yeah. the the uh, the Schultz is it Jim Schultz is that his name um, comic, um, which I took over from Marty Pascoe, a story editor. Interestingly enough, and then I 
and Michael Reeves wrote a couple episodes for and me. Harlan Ellison wrote an episode. Right, right. Yeah, well, he had, he had actually done the story, and I just kind of said, okay, well, so he gets paid. I'll actually turn it into an episode. And I thought it was, it was it's basically Sorcerer, or The Wages of Fear, which is Sorcerer is a remake of the William Friedkin film with Roy Scheider. Uh, Wages of Fear, the famous uh, Clouseau film, not not Inspector Clouseau, uh, <laughs> the, the, the director, uh, about... Uh, dynamite trucks uh, trucks loaded with unstable dynamite having to get through the desert in order to put out a runaway oil well fire uh and you know any bump in the road could mean instant death it's like the ultimate existentialist story and harlan basically pitched that as galax dinosaurs i went that's a good idea and we can use harlan and we can it's publicity and you know he and i had some talks about it um but uh i loved the episodes I did for that, and the episodes I story edited. Uh, unfortunately, we couldn't take it as far as we wanted to because Schultz wouldn't let us. I kept saying, okay, what if we do this, 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 and this? And they would run it past Schultz and we'd go, no, no, you can't do that because I'm planning on doing something like that with the comic. Because he had this grand scheme as to where the dinosaurs came from and mm. who the Slithers were. and Or not the Slithers, but there was like an... Like an, 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 an uh, there was also like a reptilian race. And uh, so I was sort of hamstrung, and it started, I mean, I did the last five or six episodes. In the last two episodes, it suddenly started to feel like we were doing the same show over and over and over because we couldn't build on it. But other than that, I, they're on Amazon. You have to pay, I think it's a buck ninety-nine, you know, an episode. But my episodes, I think, are really good. Um, oh, man, I'm really check them out. I've that. got Prime. And, and right up, right up with there, I got, I got to say, I watched the... the like I said, I watched the Joker episode last night, and I was like, you know, that thing really holds up. I'm, I'm, did I write that? Really, I, I can be that good. I'm, you know, I'm like, what happened to me? <laughs> I'm all washed up. I did one too many turtles, and it's I can't write that good anymore. Or something. I don't know. Anyway, I was really proud of it. So that would certainly be up there. Thank you so much for chatting more Bat. Uh, I've really enjoyed it. My voice is totally shot. Good night, Bat fans. Uh, thanks for listening, and we'll see you all uh, another Bat time and a different <laughs> Bat channel. Today's fan, Bria Grant. You probably know her from Heroes or Dexter or one of the many horror projects she's been a part of. She also is the co-host of the great Feral Audio podcast, Mystic Party, which she co-hosts with Zane Grant, her brother, who she co-wrote the miniseries, a comic book miniseries, that is, called We Will Bury You. Guys, we're about to dive into some more discussion of the strange secret of Bruce Wayne. It was a real treat to sit down with her. She's a lot of fun and a nice human to boot. All right, let's get into it. That we're, can I talk about how green it is yeah. in here? How green it is in this room? Nobody's ever talked about how green the room is. Pretty important, I would say, because you have like, um, what would you call it? This is like almost like a sea foam green ish, mm-hmm. and then you have like more of a lime green as your like, uh, like uh, background color, sort of. It's very beautiful in here. Thank it's just you. nice. It must be so nice to wake up here in the morning. I like it. Yeah. Officially, I... that is wasabi. Oh, it's wasabi. You know what? I think it's way better than lime. I think if you if you saw some natural light hitting it, yeah, I would think it was wasabi. Okay, I gotcha, I gotcha. But these fluorescents are really messing it up. Well, you know, what can can you do? I think it looks great. Thank you. It's cozy in here.
Yeah, so I I met you through going on your podcast. You've been on another podcast. I know. This is kind of a, the podcast world is incestual a little bit. Once you do one, you sort of start doing more and then you go, you're like, well, you do mine and do mine. It's like, it's a, we all pat each other on the back. Yeah. Is that right? And it feels weird because you think you know people just because you've heard them talk about things at great lengths with other people. Right, right, right. That's true. And I'm like, yeah, like I know what this person's like. They'd be great for this thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like, haven't hung out that much. So. I do feel like it is the new hangout, though. It is. The new, like, I want to get to know you better. Do you want to come on my podcast? Like, it's kind of like that way to, like, yeah. you get to know someone. You, like, test the waters. Do we have stuff in common? Can we have a conversation? It's good. It's a productive excuse to hang out. It is a productive excuse to hang out. It used to be, like, be on my web series, but podcast is the new web series. It's easier to make a podcast. It is easier to make a podcast. You have a microphone in a room. Mm-hmm. I think I have the same microphone at my house. It gets the job done. And then you have this Yeti. computer and we're done. We're ready to go. That's it. We it's... don't even need a sound guy or a no. lighting kit. I am the lighting kit. Yeah. Uh, my eyes are bursting light. Uh, <laughs> so we're here to talk Batman the Animated Series. No surprise. Uh, what's your experience with the show? When did you first see it? Um, you know, I saw it. I was trying to think. So... What this is, you're gonna forgive me because I don't have probably as much knowledge as your listeners. But um, what year did it start airing? 1992. Oh yeah, so I would have been old enough to watch it. I remember it from when I was a kid. I didn't know if I was watching reruns or if I was watching the original. But I must have been watching the original, I guess. And yeah. um, my brother and I would watch it, and then I revisited it a few years ago. Somebody I know had DVDs or something, and I started watching them again, and I was like, this show was amazing. Like, you know when you watch things as a kid, and you're like, that show was awesome, and then yeah. you rewatch it, and you're like, no, it wasn't. It did not hold It up. was terrible. This was garbage. Yeah, it's like, uh, you know, I was trying to think of a good kid show that I loved, but then it became just, like, really terrible. Like, you know, Labyrinth holds up. That's a great movie. Dark Crystal holds up. Th- things like that, but then there's ones I watched as a kid that do not hold up. Trying to give a good example. Yeah, like you were excited about the color or like that one funny character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was one called a show called like Under the Umbrella Tree. Do you remember this show? Yes. I love that, and I cannot imagine it holds up. What I only remember the name. What it was it? Did it have puppets? Puppets. I was kind of obsessed with puppets as a kid. I loved animals, stuffed animals, and puppets. So that was like anything with puppets. I was there was one called like Bunny Picnic. I was really obsessed with too. Was it a Jim Henson thing? Yeah. I, I think loved I had a VHS mm, copy. It was really good. My brother just uh, there's a Saturday morning cartoon Instagram feed that my I, brother just tagged me in with Bunny Picnic. But anyway, I do think this show holds up in an interesting way. So when I was like, you're like, I do this podcast, I'm like, oh my god, that show's amazing. Yeah, it's great. It uh, is really good. Unsurprisingly, I think that <laughs> uh, right because you're doing an entire podcast. Basically. Yeah, uh, the most niche podcast in the world. Is it though? Do people find do have you? How's the response to the podcast? Response is great. Yeah, yeah. People seem to like it. I think they love the show. But yeah, it is one of those things where most people are like, I can't believe you're making this about only this. Right, 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 right. But, but that's what I feel like. This is the new age. I'm like really convinced that like niche content that's where things are going because like if i could just have like i was saying like netflix is too it has too much stuff for me like i just want one that's like 
um, apocalyptic and sci-fi movies directed by women. If someone had that app, I would like subscribe to it thirty dollars a month. Like, I, think it is I don't trending care. Towards that, yeah, yeah, right. it's like, like we'll have that channel. Super specific, like the Bria Grant channel, the ones that I want to see. I think I will pay for that, and I won't pay for anything else. And they will call it the Bria Grant channel. It will be the Bria Grant channel, yeah. um, curated by Bria Grant, Bria Grant, um, <laughs> for Bria Grants across the world. Your legal name must be Bria Grant. If it is not that, then you are not allowed In, to ex- subscribe to this channel. And you know what? That's where we're headed. Yeah. So I do think that people would tune in they probably love this podcast yeah well great great perfect <laughs> but, and done do uh, I leave now is that the end yeah you just leave and you find your own way out uh, it's not difficult but you have to <laughs> um, so we watch I, I asked what you wanted to watch you were like anything uh, which yeah. is cool yeah um, so but I they're picked, all on Amazon yeah they're all streaming which is cool and if you have Prime which I do. I've been tricked into it. Me too. Now I'm just consistently buying it. Yeah, I yeah, it's very weird. I you know what? It's good when you order stuff though. Oh yeah. Now I just order more things, which is what they want. That is what they want. I went to a, a Rite Aid today and I feel like I never go to Rite Aids anymore because I just order on Prime now. Yeah, it does feel weird to get a thing in a physical store. Yeah, it does. But then but I do like a physical store because I like to look at all my options and like kind of hold them. You forget that that's kind of important. I was buying like eye creams today because yep. I'm 34 and now I buy eye creams. Mm-hmm. And that was, I was like looking at them and I'm like, well, this one looks better. You can, you can compare shop, comparative shop. Better. I like the Wander too. You do? You like to do the Wander around? I like, that's like why a I like Targets. Oh, I love a Target. <laughs> yeah, it's like very weirdly comforting to wander around a huge Oh, it's store. great. It's great. Especially if you have headphones, especially. Like I'm really big like headphones in and then, man, I can't leave a Target. I always buy clothes at Target. Me too. Should I admit that? I think that they do have some good stuff there. I agree. Massimo is there now, which was big when I in the 90s when I was a kid. That's what right? I associate with Target is Massimo. Yeah, that's true. Now you go there and it's like all this nerdy stuff that like... Yeah. It's like being sold to us like mass produced. It's very weird to see like like Batman shirts and like weird oh. old like Super Nintendo logos yeah. at a Target now. And it, oh my gosh, have you been to an Urban Outfitters lately? Because that mm-hmm. shit is everywhere. Can oh, yeah. I say that word I just said? I just stopped. Everywhere? Myself. Yes. You can everywhere? Say I can say it? Great. Uh, you can everywhere. say every one of the words. Um, I know. What's your opinion about that? Them having Batman stuff and everywhere? You know, uh, you know, as as a wienery person, I'm like, I don't like that other people like. Did you say it was wienery? Did you say wienery? What does that even mean? It it means like I imagine like I'm a little hot dog man in a top hat with my arms crossed. Yeah, and you're wearing like a monocle, like looking through it, and you're really angry. I guess I'm like Mr. Peanut, but I'm like smelly. Great. Okay, now I have a good vision of you. If people so didn't know what they, that you looked like, now they know. Right. The walls are green, and I am a hot, dog, smelly hot dog man in a monocle and a top hat. Uh, I yeah, I think I'm just like you know that like nerdy high horse you get on it, yeah. where it's like you know I used to like this when it was only me and my few friends. Yeah. Uh, which I think it's cool that it's out there, but now I am getting that like superhero fatigue. And, yeah. Like, I went to see Winter Soldier. Oh, uh, Civil War? Or Civil War. Yeah. I went to see Winter Soldier and they were only showing Civil War. <laughs> How annoying. Uh, but uh, but uh, I was like, man, every single person here has a Captain America shirt, which is crazy. Did they really? I haven't seen the movie yet, but. Not that if I go, everyone will have a captain. But it they was better. weird to see. Yeah, if they don't, then and, and you're not allowed in without a captain. Get out of it. Yeah, that is interesting because it's not because it is this weird nerd thing where I feel like even just like five, ten years ago, I'd be like, 
I read comic books and people would be like, no, and just shocking. It was just like shocking information. And I had to always be like, you know, girls read comic books too. And now it's like, that is not shocking for anybody. No, that's like a stereotype on a sitcom. (laughs) Yeah, people are just like, oh yeah, of course you read comic books. Like, what are you into? You know, do you read all the Walking Deads? You didn't? What a nerd. Like, you know, like like, people are just, it's become part of culture. It's crazy. Um, We should have written The Walking Dead. Or a comic book. I wrote comic books. They didn't go anywhere. But I was going to say, a comic book 10 years ago that now could be turned into a superhero series. Right? Because now everybody's doing it. Everybody's doing it. That is the trend in, like, comics, it seems, is people are trying to write comics to get oh my franchise God. sold. I get a lot of... Because I have written three series, comics book series, and um, I get calls from people all the time who are like writers and they're like what my goal is I want to get this movie made so I'm going to write a comic book about that will I'll release and then people will make the movie and I want to say for the record you hear it here first on the <laughs> Batman animated podcast right. um that does not work I don't think it works personally because I think writing a comic book is really difficult medium in and of itself. Like, yeah. it is an art form of its in and of itself, and it's hard to do. So it's like, yeah, if you want to dedicate a year to your life of writing, to writing and getting a comic book illustrated, unless you're, like, happen to be an illustrator and a writer, which most people are not, like, yeah, you should do that. But you cannot get... That doesn't guarantee your movie's going to get made. No, and it feels like you're not writing it for the joy of it. Like, yeah, and this, I mean, you don't make much money in comics. I mean, you kind of got to write. No, you got to be passionate about it. No, I call it my, it's my time-consuming, non-lucrative hobby. Like, it's just like something I enjoy doing that I do in addition to the other stuff I do, but it doesn't make me any money. Yeah, you. Uh, it feels like the same as improv to me. It's yeah, like, it's like improv. It's like, yeah, I want to, I mean, I'm sure there are people who do this because you meet people who are like, I'm taking this, like, improv class, like, so, like, I'm going to be a movie star. Yeah, 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 like, yeah. Well, good luck. To, yeah. You know, it's going to be a lot of, like, insane commitment to, like, doing, uh, you know, robot scenes at 2 a.m. Right, right, right. And he's like, I hope you enjoy the next five years of your life building yeah. up that resume every single night. Yeah, just go be an actor. Yeah, uh, go be an actor. Yeah, just do the... Or make the, the movie. S- make the movie that you want to make. Yeah. I don't know, it's very strange. Um, well... We're not talking about Batman, sorry. Uh, no, it's fine. As okay. I said, off mic... We can talk about anything we with everything. Also, you have a background in comics. I think that's pretty relevant. Is it relevant? I haven't written any Batman comics. Yeah, of course it's relevant. I haven't written any superhero comics. Did you read uh, Batman comics or like what kind of stuff were you into? You know what? I I didn't, I've only read like you know the the basic Batman. Stuff. I'm in the same boat. I'm, I'm hashtag basic on that. Like I mean, like Long Halloween and like mm-hmm. those kind of uh, those ones. You know, I worked with Jeff Loeb for years and or a year, but I kind of consider it years because I've known everything. Um, and so I've read his stuff, um, and the, that stuff is awesome. I mean, it's amazing. I just have never been into capes when it comes to comics. Like, I've always been, like, more of a, like, indie comic. Like, what are the, what's the New York for? And, like, girls running around doing stuff. Like, that's definitely been more my thing. Or, like, more fantasy kind of, like, um, you know, fables. Things along those lines. Ooh, I got deep into fables. Oh, yeah? And I think I dropped out right before it was, like, ending. Or not ending, but, like, wrapping up. You know what? I think it probably dropped out around that time, too. I just recently looked, and I was like, man, I have so many Fables books, but then I'm missing, like, like number 11. Or, like, you know, like, random ones. And I'm like, where are those at? I don't know if you have this problem with your comments. I do. I have a pile of those that I was like, do I, what do I do? Do I give these away? Yeah. Like, I'm not gonna, like, I don't want to go through the process of selling them for $2. No. I, I will say I do give them to people a lot, or people come over and they borrow them and never return them. But then stuff happens, like, I can't say what my friend recently was like, hey, you like this comic book, you've talked about it publicly, 
do you have it? Because I'm pitching for the to be a director right. on the movie. So, you know, I brought him over, like, all of those comic books. That's the dream. That's why you want to have That is why I have them, because then I'm the cool person. I'm like, here, take yeah, all of these. Sure. And I have, like, four omnibuses of them. And I'm like, you take them all. Like, don't ever give them back to me. That's the best. Yeah. yeah I, I feel like I'd rather, like, give them to a good home. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. get rid of them. Yeah, it's very weird. But they're taking up space. Oh, the man, they take up so much space. So um, much space. So much space. Mm. Uh, well, let's talk Strange Secret of Bruce Wayne. Let's do it. Um, had you seen this one before? Do you remember you know, it? No, I don't remember it at all. But I was watching, um, I watched it last night with my buddy uh, Jackson Stewart, who loves who loves the animated series and couldn't believe he hadn't heard of your podcast. Um, but he and I watched it together and he's uh, he remembered it really well. Like, before he even started watching it, he freaked out when I told him the name of it. <laughs> Which, you know, after we started watching it, I feel like he didn't remember it that well because he didn't know certain things that before they happened. Whatever. Anyway. So, no. The answer is no. So, Jackson is a liar. Um, He's a liar. You've heard it first on this podcast. <laughs> news. All the news. All the news here, everywhere. <laughs> um, well, what was, your, what was your experience watching it? Um, what was it? That was a, it was a weird episode. Yes. Um, I mean, I enjoyed it. I liked some of the twists. Mm-hmm. I loved the... Uh, one of my favorite things... I love um, things from the past with future technologies that have yet to be invented. It's the best. Oh, man. Like, that you can see into someone's thoughts and, like... Can we just talk about this machine for a second? Yes. It's incredible. First of all, it's just two things that point towards your head. Just two sensors that are, like, weird, like, 60s kind of looking technology. Yeah, and also in these technologies, for some reason, uh, things always move, like, independently. Like, you don't set them up as you would in, like, anything we yeah. have now. Like, you don't... We don't have robot arms that do things like that yet. Like, we just are not at that technology. And also... Why do you need that? You really don't. You no, could just set them up. <laughs> set them up. Um, and then you and then you know, project it on this giant screen, your memories, which you see not from first person, but from third person. Yeah. Like a camera has, was on you as a child. That is really bizarre to me. It's one, and like, it's interrupted by like kind of weird video game noises. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know what the noise was, but it like kept happening and it was like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And it was, and it was like, it was both like real things that happened, but people's imaginations, like when like, um, what he was like in a cemetery, like all these like gravestones come up from the ground oh, around him, yeah. like a scary, like fever dream nightmare. Yeah, I love that like expressionistic cool. stuff. It's, Man. But also real stuff that happened, like some, like, you know, he's sitting, standing in the rain. How sad is that? Watching himself stand in the rain. That was so sad. I, I love the floating gun, actually. Oh, yeah, it's great. Like just the gun with nobody there. And yeah. The idea of, like, this he, is why he does it, because it's just a gun and anybody could be holding oh, it. Oh, that's really interesting. That's a good was, metaphor. That, that was my favorite part of the episode. This is, that is very good. When you think about your memories from your childhood, do you remember them from first person or from third person perspective? Third person, is that what you would call that? Yeah. I, I, that, I don't think I remember them third person. No, how could you? I don't even know though. Like it's hard for me. I mean, I'm always interested in how people remember things because yeah. I think everybody does kind of do it differently. Yeah. Uh, and mine are just like, it's more just like a fl- like images, like just like an image that like conjures up a feeling. Yeah, I think, and I feel like well, maybe the gravestones like coming upon you or the gun floating would be like exactly what our memories would look like. Because I feel like we would not see them out, play them out like a scene. You know, you don't play out. You just remember like one thing somebody said and then like, I don't know. What is your oldest memory? What, what is your oldest memory and how do you remember it? Man, that's a good question. 
I remember one of my oldest memories, and I don't know, I probably have an older one, is when I was like three years old. Oh, yeah. Um, I, I remember being in like an apartment that my mom and dad had. Uh-huh. Uh, it was like a shitty apartment, and like crawling out in the middle of the night, and my mom had like, had been trying to like quit cigarettes, so she would like smoke outside. Oh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah She yeah. did eventually. Sure, uh, like, for- I think after this, this is why she did, <laughs> uh, because I came out, and I like found a cigarette, and I, <gasps> I remember I just chewed on it. And started oh, you to ate like, it. try to eat it. Oh, and then no. I was like, oh, this is gross. And spit it out. Uh, that's a traumatic memory. But, like, I remember, yeah, it was really weird. Man, that's years of therapy. Gonna so, take I've care only of that, smoked so. one cigarette in my life. Oh, as a wow. Result. Really? Mm-hmm. How old were you when you did that? When I smoked it? Yeah. Honestly, it was like two years ago. Oh, wow. You're yeah. this pretty late bloomer. Yeah, it was, uh, you know, got drunk, uh, sketch fest, and. <laughs> You're like, I'm going wild tonight. Had a cigarette, and I was like, oh, I get it. These are fun, but, uh, you know. Are they fun, though? I mean, that moment was fun. Sure. You know, I really want to pass on the message that cigarettes are cool and fun. Yeah, 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 good, good. And, the, the, uh, if you're a young teen, no, cigarettes yeah. are bad. Dare yeah. really worked on me. Dare really worked uh, on you? At that time in my life. You know, I, I there was this, like, study about Dare. I don't know if this is true, but someone's told me this, so. But that's, that kids who went through Dare uh, were more likely to do drugs than kids that didn't go through Dare because they introduced you to drugs. I'm not surprised. Like, you're not scared of them? They're not like, uh, like, oh, it's a scary thing. It's just like they're something that you know about now. Yeah. I was like, I didn't know that this was a thing. This sounds fun. Yeah, drugs. Woo. Amazing. Yeah, we're getting stickers for it. Yeah. <laughs> also, being told by an authority figure not to do something will always make you want it does. to do I'm, And I'm the worst about that. Like, I'm such, I'm such a rebel at heart. Like, if someone tells me I can't do something, I'm like, well, I'm going to be doing it then. I didn't do drugs, really, though. I don't know. I, yeah, I, I didn't, at least not till college <laughs> for me. Yeah, I'm not um, a drug person. But that is my earliest. But I think, like, the memory I have is, like, of the carpet and then of, like, like chewing, like, right. like just the, the brown, whatever. Yeah, like, if you ate another cigarette, that memory would come flooding back. Yeah, honestly, if we could find a cigarette yeah, yeah, I could yeah, chew yeah. on it right now, yeah, I yeah. would for sure yeah. let you know. Yeah, yeah, because that's, you know, they say, like, taste and smells, those things really work. If only Dr. Dr. Hugo Strange were here. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, what did you think of that doctor, man? Oh, man. So he is a classic Batman villain. Sure. Uh, he it's, He's insane. But I feel like his accent was not quite... I couldn't, I couldn't place it. Was like it like German or Eastern european Maybe one of those. I could, yeah, I was trying to place it, and it sounded like it was supposed to be German, but wasn't. Yes. That's how I felt. I, yeah, I, I couldn't tell, like, what... It was like, oh, the person who auditioned made a choice, and they were like, <laughs> yeah, this is generally in the right zone. Um, he, he was so... He was a little, he was a little bald man. Yeah, I loved <laughs> him. Tubby bald man. Yeah, and he had glasses, sunglasses that you never, he never took off. No. You never saw his eyes. Nope. Which just makes him a little scary. He, yeah, he was, it, it was interesting that like most of the episode was just this guy like analyzing Bruce Wayne. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, which was good. I thought, I mean, it was a weird episode in that there wasn't like a traditional like, oh, and this person was doing this bad thing and Bruce Wayne goes and, or Batman goes and saves, saves. Yeah. It was like, it, it really delved into the psyche of, of Bruce Wayne, but then kind of threw it away. We didn't get to see him that much of it. No, there was a lot of setup. So I, I love the idea of like Bruce Wayne going undercover to investigate stuff. <laughs> yeah. But he does the dumbest thing, which is just like, yeah, I'll just see what this machine does to me rather yeah. than like go there, dress up as Batman and sneak in and check it out first. <laughs> Good idea. You're right. And he, but he was he was like sweating. He was nervous about it. But oh, yeah. then he went ahead and went through with it. Which, it does seem like, maybe he didn't think the machine would work. I think that's probably what it was. Yeah, that's what I was trying to figure out. If like, if he didn't think it was going to work, and then maybe that's why he went through with it. But I don't know if I'd let anyone put that machine on me ever. Even no. if I wasn't Batman. 
Definitely. I just don't want anybody to know what my weird thoughts are and like the like, especially like the visions, the things that I see in my brain. Yeah, it was, it was pretty invasive. Although it felt like maybe like the Yucca Springs element of it was like, oh, is this their version of like a new agey, like that's what the people were going in with. It was like a new agey, like therapy. Oh, maybe. I, you know, it's weird because to cross new age with like that weird, with like, science like weird because new age i associate with being like like you know lighting some incense right like and sage cleaning this place and like oh i'm gonna feel your auras and like where your pressure points or some shit like that and um this was definitely more like it was like a science lab and it was a scary science lab right like when you arrive you're like oh you know what never mind yeah that's exactly you would go in on this slab of metal it did look nice when they would go in though like the the the, like place like there was like cacti and stuff so that did feel new agey you're right but it was weird that, like, nobody else was there. Nobody like, I feel was like there. they didn't have enough time to establish <laughs> all yeah. of that. Yeah. And I wonder, like, did did he just run? Did the doctor just run this place? Or was he, like, just there? Like, what was his affiliation with this location? Yeah. Like, was it normally more new agey and then he just happened to build his lab there? I'm renting out this spa. <laughs> because <laughs> it was a spa. Yeah. Oh, can I say something that I really appreciated at the beginning? Was that the judge was a woman. Yeah. The judge was a lady, which could have easily been a man. Especially at that time, I feel like that was Mm -hmm. more of a choice. Yeah, my brother and I talk about this... um uh, this joke that happened when we, that was around, this joke that we would tell when we were a kid, or a riddle, which was this riddle that, the, were you on the show when we were talking about this? Were you on our show? No, no. Oh, anyway, it's like, um, it's the... On Mystic Party? Yeah, on Mystic Party, where we were talking about, there's, it's like this son and his dad get hurt in a car accident, and the dad dies, and then the son goes to, um, a hospital, and then the doctor says, um, I can't operate on him, he's my son. How is that possible? Do you know about this? Yes, and it's like, the doctor was his mom. The doctor was a woman. Can you believe the doctor was a woman? And we were like, how crazy is that? That when we were kids, it really was a riddle. I remember thinking, I don't know what the answer is. And the doctor was a woman. I feel like there were a lot of riddles like that in elementary school where it was like, just, yeah, it was like, how could a woman do this? Yeah, 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 yeah. The answer is the doctor was a woman. Which is crazy, though, because that is something that was like not an immediate answer in your brain as right. a kid, which is like oh we we were like really that, I mean like and that was just like the 80s it wasn't like it was that long ago but I remember thinking like it was a good riddle when I was a kid and then now it seems like so crazy like obviously I think I would just know the answer maybe yeah. I wouldn't I don't know Anyway, the judge was a woman. Judge was a woman. Judge, judge Vargas, was a also woman. Vargas. I know. A Latina, a Latina woman. woman. She did not she looked pretty looked, racially neutral or white. Yeah, looked yeah, somewhere on that spectrum. Yeah. Like racially neutral to white, yeah. more likely white. There was this moment, so she it's and the first thing I thought of when it was um it's going to be a sex tape. Right. So he holds up this tape and I was like, "Oh, is that a sex tape? Like is it, this is going to go this is a crazy episode, but it was just her." Just her starting the great doc, Gotham Dock Fire or whatever. And is that part of, is that actually like in, can, is that canon? Or, not, I mean, not I mean, that I, I know of. I think it was just world. something that they made up for the episode. Oh, I um, see. It was interesting that like they just had this character that's never shown up. I don't think she's in anything else. How great would she be as like some sort of like villain though, right? Or or hero. Like yeah. if she came back and she was like the pyro person, you Bring know? Bring her back. That would be cool. Dr. I mean, Dr. Judge Vargas. Judge Vargas. Yeah. And when she like crawls out on that thing, I'm like, this must, it must be a sex tape, which shows like where history has gone these days. Also, yeah. Confessional. Thing. Yeah. Speaking of the yacht sex tape that's going around. What's that? Not really. I mean, there's a fake, 
a fictionalized sex tape that was used for publicity by the band Yacht. Oh, I didn't know about this. Anyway, that that's cool. something I was reading about on that the internet. That sounds very this cool. Was that on Pitchfork or something? Yeah. It wasn't really. It was around. <laughs> it was around the net. A <laughs> uh, waste of my time <laughs> to read about something that I didn't even know about. Well, I'm fascinated, and we'll. I'm going to touch base about that after we're done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Check in, Seems check important. In. Seems important for Yeah, me you now. can tell I really love it. <laughs> um, uh, I just like that she crawls out on that thing. Oh, yeah. To get that sex tape. And then somehow the, the thing hits her in the face. Like the beam kind of, yeah. It's a very weird moment because I was like, what happened? Why did she get, why was she suddenly unconscious? Right, and then he had to save her or let yeah. them go. Uh, it was so weird also that like that's the cold open of the episode. Is like this person we don't know. These like kind of cool old timey gangsters. Oh, yeah. Like as a kid, I remember... Kind of one. I was like, "This is this is different." Oh, really? <laughs> like, you remember that about the episode? I remember the episode when I was younger. The episode felt kind of. I wasn't excited about it until mm. the end when you saw like the colorful villain show up. Sure. Uh, and I was like, "What secrets? Blackmail?" <laughs> yeah, that was like not interesting to you. That makes sense though. Like it's not nothing. It's literally a tape. She's worried about. No one's in danger, really. Yeah. Her just her reputation. Yep. Um. I did, you liked the villains part, though, when you were a kid. As a kid, I love the villains. Rewatching it, they feel real ham-fisted. Oh, for sure. But uh, that's part of what I love about this series, though. Oh, yeah. Like, when I started rewatching it, I was like, oh, man, they're just real big and real, like, like over the top in a way that, you know, it's weird to think about kids now only will see, like, Batman, like, Dark Knight Batman. Like, those villains are so serious, yes. you know, and so, like, and these ones are just real... They're wacky. Well, and this one in particular felt more like 60s portrayals mm. of those villains. Like, the Joker has, like, a highly decorated office with a message machine with a joke. <laughs> uh, they show up and they're all like, I feel like they are the parody of each one of their things. Like, they, oh, like, yeah. It's like, I'm the Joker and I'm going to make this joke. And yeah, Two-Face yeah. is going to come out flipping a coin and the Penguin has an umbrella. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's like, true. Uh that's very true. And they're they're just all like really over the top and Joker makes all they're just making so many dumb jokes, which I love but hate at the same time. I mean, like now if I saw it and didn't have any nostalgia for it, I think I'd be like, What is this crap? But I have this nostalgia oh, yeah, where I'm like, it. Yeah, yeah, I like him making I like him in the like pilot outfit, you know. Me like, too. That was one of those I was like, I want an action figure. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Like, I want him in a bomber jacket and flip-down aviators. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. The Joker in this is like, I'm sure you've talked about this, but the art style in the Joker in this is so, it, it, it feels 60s to me in some ways, even though this is like 90s, yeah. you know? Like, he, the Joker particularly looks like art, art from another era. Yeah. I, I don't know, from another era. Well, all of their, like, costume designs feel like they're, like, kind of... Like, almost like gangstery, like, 40s to me. Yeah. But, like, mixed with uh, anything else that they liked. Yeah, exactly. This, um, as a writer, I'm sure, I feel like you have probably things to say about this, but I thought it was very weird at the end. The plane was going down, and the only people on the plane were bad guys. Yes. But Batman saves it the day anyway. Well, doesn't he, he, like, cuts the fuel? He cuts the fuel. And it crash lands. It crash lands, but, like, I feel like he did it in, maybe this is just my imagination, but I was like, oh, he kind of did save them, which he, like, roped a mesa first, and then, like, went, ran, like, swung around it, and then, like, yeah, you're right, he did, like, some crazy, but it's just kind of crazy that we're, like, we're not concerned about that, right? The, the fact that he is or isn't saving them. 
we're not, I don't know if we're concerned either way. Like, we want them dead. <laughs> don't we? I mean, look, these are the bad guys. Yeah, but we want Batman to not let them die because we believe in his moral code. <laughs> but what a weird episode that, like, no one, I feel like they should have, like, at least put, like, some some victim on that plane so he would, like, you Right, know, so, like, a, the stakes are still. Stakes were, like, not very high. I guess that we would have no more villains on the show. Right. I think it was like, well, your favorite villains are going to die. Right, right, I guess. As a kid, you'd be concerned about that. And the villains are very lovable. Yeah, they were kind of goofballs in this one. Well, like, separately in their own episodes, they do kind of, like, play them darker. So oh, it was, like, weird. Because then when they came out, it was, like, parodied versions. Of <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, we're here to make sure kids enjoy this. Right, yeah, then... <laughs> And that is kind of what it is. Maybe they all get together and they just want to one up each other's like like dorkiness that comes like oh yeah. They're just like I'm the I'm the zaniest villain. No, I'm the zaniest villain. I did like them arguing with each other. It was good. And Why then they, did they pool their money. You know what? I had the same problem because <laughs> at first he offered two million dollars. Right. And then I want to say when it went up to like fifty something million. Yes, he poured it all out. It's like let's pool it, which what? I get. Like let's not fight, but it's like. Well, let's just split the two million. Like, yeah, just get offer two million. He seemed like he'd be into that. Like, he's like a doctor working at a spa. Like, I don't know if he's like he doesn't have like his own practice. Either. There's no clout. He's a spa doctor. Yeah, he's like he's literally two million dollars is like a ton of money to like this guy. Like, you should just give him that. But instead, they just start dumping money out. When, after he'd already waved the tape around. Yeah, I was like, wait. Also, you guys are villains. Just shoot this guy. Shoot him. Take the tape. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not a huge fan of the version of the Joker who cares about Batman's identity. Mm. I like the idea that he's like this agent of chaos. Mm, yeah, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. I don't care. I want to play this game. Oh, <laughs> you think that it's more like he just wants to like screw around. He doesn't care. He likes yeah. that Batman is there just to make it like crazier. Right. Like, yeah. It's like without Batman, there would be no Joker sort of... I mean, it's kind of true. Huh? Story. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm trying to see what else I've written down. Um... Oh, there's something else I wanted to talk about, that tape situation. Oh, I mean, obviously I do think the the Batman, him Bruce Wayne going in and then putting a different memory into onto the tape. Genius. That was cool. That was a cool that was a cool like little twist, like, how is he gonna get out of this? Now I don't know how he knew he was gonna be able to plug that tape in and get that to work well, but I thought it was a pretty cool Oh, it was great. Do you think you'd be able to trick those machines like that though? I don't know. I mean if I were Batman, I guess. <laughs> if you're perfect at everything. If, you're, if, you're, if you have a millions of dollars and you're perfect at everything, you probably think that you're invincible. Yeah, he's a man who is uh, very much in control of what he wants to think is the yeah. truth. Yeah, constantly. He's just like, here's my, here's, this is my truth. It's Batman's truth. Yes. And he puts it on the screen. <laughs> he, yeah, I remember as a kid, I was very nervous. I was like, no, surely this this will be a dream episode or something. Like yeah. That. The villain can't find out who, who Batman is. <laughs> That doesn't happen. And do you think if he if they had found out, what would have happened to your small child psyche? Oh my god, this hero. This it would just be you would have been crushed. Yeah, well, I think it did make me nervous <laughs> as a kid. I was like, he still knows. Right at the end of the episode, he still knows. Yeah, that's true. He did still know. I wonder. Like, I feel like now the reason like we don't have a lot of Batman or superhero television shows is because like. Revealing the secret identity is a big deal, and if you don't do that pretty early, you end up with like some sort of crazy situation where they're just going to cancel your show anyway because it's boring. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. I, look at Iron Man. Like he, at the yeah. end of the first movie. That's true. Right there. Right there. You're right. Which that's was cool. such a different thing. At yeah. The time. Yeah, that's true. I think um, you kind of have to. You can't leave everybody hanging so long. Yeah, it's it's interesting. Like I feel like they find new ways of playing with the trope, but it's still like the same story. Yeah. Um. 
And I feel like, do you know what I think? I literally blame Lost for everything, hmm. the show Lost, because I think that it was like such a good show, and then it had this like crazy like arc, and, and like people were just like so frustrated by the end, but still watching it, which is why like. You probably know when you go in and pitch a television show, they're like, what happens in season six? Because, like, you have to know because of, like, what ha- the disaster that is lost but was also amazing. Because it made I all the lost. promises, but it could never live up to... Never. I loved... I remember watching the first season and I was Ugh. like, this is amazing. And I was so convinced everything was going to all play out perfectly and nothing played out perfectly. I still writers, love the show. Yeah. I mean, it was like... Also, it's an insane show and yeah. it, like, was well done. Oh, my God. It's an amazing um, show. One of the best shows ever been on television. I think season two, uh, one of the main writers from Batman the Animated Series was brought in for... Really? Lost. And he, he did a season and he's talked a little bit about it, but he's at Paul Dini. Okay. And he, creator of Harley Quinn. Oh, wow. Uh, and he talked about how, yeah, it was, there was a lot of like, you know, not knowing yeah, what no, no, it would happening. be, but like, we got to set this stuff up. We have to, because I think they, it was so much based in like surprising the audience that yeah. like, like, how can we outdo ourselves? Right. Which is why they're like, let's have a polar bear. Let's like, do they just like win as crazy as possible and yeah. then never explained why. Yeah. It, and I think that's why shows get canceled so quickly now. Cause like, they're like, oh, this is going to be a lost situation. People are going to be so angry. It's going to go on forever. So you end up with shows like. And yet people still, they made a ton of money for. Like, they did make a ton of money, but all those kind of shows get canceled. I always think about Flash Forward, which was a pretty good show, but they didn't explain it quick enough. Yeah. And so everybody was like, eh, I'm not watching this one. We're done. <laughs> yeah, they kind of like bail. I just feel like the superhero thing would be similar. I know. You have to trust it. I, there has to be like some level of trust in yeah. the idea, but like you have to give a little bit. They're doing a um, Superman show, a, a Superman prequel really? on Sci-Fi Channel. I just read it. They're doing a Krypton cool. show. But that's different. It's not. It's on Krypton. So... What? We already know. We already know who it is. Yeah, it's a, they're like Better Call Saul. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. That is their Better Call Saul too. Um, Smallville or something like that. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm curious. I, I don't know. I'm like, I don't watch too much superhero TV otherwise. Mm. At this point, I'm like, I liked this cartoon. Right. I like some of the There's movies. not much superhero TV. Well, that's not true. It's like I guess Flash I'm lying. And you know Arrow what? And... I don't watch those. You're right. Yeah. I don't know why I don't watch them. Because we're a busy person. Yeah, yeah. They were good. I watched I watched both the pilots. I thought they were yeah, good. Yeah, I liked the Flash pilot a lot. Yeah, I just kind of fell out of it. I watched too much TV anyway. Uh, what else is there in this episode? We had, uh, I feel like Batman, it had some of the cheesiest one-liners in any of the episodes. This one did? Yes. Oh, really? I think at one point he went, to the airport. <laughs> <laughs> which is you just needed that like 60s like spinning like yeah 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 yeah, yeah, right yeah after that oh yeah 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 totally and the and the joker had a lot of a lot of things to say i, I wrote down Mark a couple Hamill joker oh man so i didn't even know that was his voice till my friend told me last night so cool right yeah that's really cool that's really cool and i'm glad he's like he was doing cool stuff at that time yeah i think this is like what he like I feel like if Star Wars didn't come back, he would have been fine in this end of things. Like, yeah. there's only, like, fans that love him as this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That it's cool that now he's, like, back in that <laughs> huge way, too. Right, right. How many seasons of this are there? I think there are, like, four seasons, but, like, one of the seasons is 65 episodes, so. Which one? I think the first season. What, are you kidding? It's so, crazy. Oh so there God. are, like, a hundred and something He could do this podcast so. forever. Yeah. I, you just I, have this. Till the day I die. You're I'm just going to keep in. 
in a top hat and a monocle, and I'll be stinky with my arms crossed. <laughs> Just be an old hot dog. Old hot dog, <laughs> dog sitting around talking about Batman. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> It'll take me years. <laughs> 65 episodes? Just for the first season. I mean, what? I'm going out of order just because... Because you can. Because it's your podcast and you can do whatever you want. Yeah. That's why we have podcasts. That's why. Because we we can do whatever. We can do anything we want. We don't need to have a sound guy. No, we don't need to have a a network sponsoring us if we're doing them. No. You can go in a room that's painted green. How, what network would sponsor this podcast? I don't know. I mean, probably some pop culture mm-hmm. network. Yeah, I think it's good. Yeah, I mean, I, I've been pretty happy just to... It's not that hard in terms of uh, recording it, but it's right. just a lot of producing. Sure. It's hard to do it yourself. Yes. I was doing my stuff myself for a while, and it was too crazy. For Mystic Party? Yeah, for Mystic Party. We are both part of Feral Audio with Mm -hmm. our other podcast. We are part of Feral Audio. Um, Feral Audio is getting a big reboot. Did you have a meeting about it? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's pretty good. We talk about the meeting details over this podcast. (laughs) So, yeah, how's the contract? Uh, Yeah, yeah, it was a big meeting. Big, big meeting. Um, I feel like a network should sponsor you like CW. Do you know what I mean? Oh, (laughs) yes. Like the CW should have you do like... It's like a, you know these after shows that are popular? Yes. You know I say this like you don't know what I'm talking about. Like, Talking Dead, but yours is just like way after. Like way <laughs> after the fact. They do hire people to make podcasts now. Like, oh, I know. Event, like it's crazy. Like Adventure Time had like a podcast that was made by Cartoon Network. I think the problem is, and what I'm guessing is, I won't like, I will talk shit about it. Oh, like I see what you're saying. And you can't on those shows? Right. Like, I don't think they That's want a question, you insulting... Kate. You don't think you can? I don't think so. I think Probably not, right. I think you can ask questions that maybe would, you know, be provocative, but at the end of the day, they don't want people bad-mouthing a show. And, like, no. I love this show, but I don't think it's 100% no. perfect. Right, right. You don't think, like, the ba- the Joker should have a, a zany outgoing message. <laughs> the other thing that happened I was on that- board with the outgoing message. Were you? Yeah. The other thing that happened in that scene is they, like, pan across his desk, and it's just a bunch of jokers and clowns and things that look like him which i love and then it's a photo of batman with a bunch of knives in it yeah. like he's just like he's so angry about batman so, that was like the creepy thing in the middle of all yeah of it was good it was good uh also that was like just a painting yeah, like somebody painted that right right, right. that's, that's what i love about that era oh, yeah. of animation it's like now this would be like digitally done for oh the you're right you're and right somebody was like hand painting yeah just like batman with a bunch of knives in him yeah I like the idea that if you are a character like that, you just buy things that look like yourself. Yeah. So, like, you would have this room full of hot dogs. Yeah, as just you know. old hot dogs. Right. Well, I do. I have the, yeah, yeah. There's the hot dog closet. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, oh. Like, show me on the way out. Uh, yeah, it's gross. It smells. <laughs> it's horrible. There's a lot of, like, g- weird, like, food water. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Food yeah. water. You know what you find at the bottom of hot dogs? Oh, yeah. Is that um, just called food water? Food water. Uh-huh. And yeah. is that edible? Uh, it's drinkable. Drinkable. Great, sure. great, great, great. Uh, it's, it makes for good flavoring. Like, bottle it up. Mix it with some lemon juice. You God, do. that's going to be the new, like, you know, uh, vitamin water. It's just it's just hot dog flavor. I think vitamin water is that, essentially, right? <laughs> Didn't we find out that, like, once McDonald's started selling vitamin water, it was like, oh, it's bad for you. It's another thing that's bad for it's you. It's just actually bad for you. They got sued because there's actually almost no vitamins in it or something. Right. Like, I think people were drinking so much of it that, like, this is really gross, but I think the, the sugars... Uh, crystallized and people's urinary tract. <gasps> well, the main, they got they got like what's it called? And kidney stuff. stones and stuff. Yeah, they got kidney stones, and there was like a dude who like couldn't pee. Couldn't pee because he had so many kidney stones, yes. just blocking that from vitamin water. Yes, that's disturbing. Yes, and it's not even worth it. Like it tastes like bad, bad 
It's watered down Gatorade. Yeah, watered down Gatorade. With like less sugar. But apparently it has just as much sugar. It's yeah. just like hidden sugars. We've been tricked. Just drink soda. If you're going to do it, just just go for the big thing. Yeah, I feel that way. Like people are always like getting diet Coke. And I'm like, just go for it. Get a Coke. Yeah, just go crazy. You're gonna, just don't drink it that much. Either like, do, yeah. Just <laughs> don't, middle ground is horrible. Don't do middle ground. Just like go for the thing and then only have it like once a week. I'm big on moderation. Yes. Mm. I, I wish I was. No, you're not? <laughs> no, I'm big on it. I mean, I, it's one of those things that's tough. Oh, I see what you're saying. Um, any other thoughts? Um, about like of the American diet? Or... About the American diet, about okay. the American dream, about American Idol. <laughs> any American thoughts? Um, no. I mean, it was an interesting... I just thought it was a really interesting, weird episode. It was a weird episode. It wasn't like the kind of episode... It felt almost like a um, like like they had a guest writer come in and do a dark one, you know what I mean, yeah. or something like that, or like the bottleneck episode, you know, like even though it's not that, but like it's like that weird episode where you're like, why is that one in there, you know? Yeah, but it, it was good. Offbeat. Yeah, I love the title card, like just that like sweaty man with a skull for a pupil. Oh wow, I don't remember that. That's that crazy. Was, yeah, it's oh, like a cool. a cool painting, but yeah, trying to. Yeah, it is a weird one. Did you ever play those Arkham games? No, I've never played them. He's a villain in one of the really? games. Really? Yeah, like Hugo Strange is like the main villain for... He's scary. Yeah. I mean, a bald doctor wears sunglasses all the time, scary. Yeah. Like if that was your doctor, and you were at like, you know, Bob, yeah. Bob Hope Health Clinic down the street, and they're like, and he comes in and he has that German accent, I'd be out of there. No, where are you going? <laughs> Please say, sit down. Take off your pants and scoot to the end. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> this is not uncomfortable for anybody. <laughs> uh, he wasn't that high pitched, but here we are. There we are. That's good. I thought it was good. They should hire you to do it. Hey, reboot. You know what? Send me back to 1992. <laughs> thanks for coming on the show. Hey, thanks for having me in your bedroom. Well, there you go. That's the show. Another one bites the dust, as I've said at least two or three times at the end of this podcast. If you liked what you heard, you can find more info at BTAS Podcast or at Hey Justin on Twitter. You can go to BTASpodcast.com. Support the show at Patreon.com slash BTAS Podcast. Email me at BTASpodcast at gmail.com. And of course, Rate and subscribe to the show. Leave a comment. It helps out. Batman the Animated Podcast was created, produced, and edited by me, Justin Michael. Tom Smith created the show logo. Harry Chaskin is the voice of the podcast. And Casey Trela helped create the theme song. I'd like to once again thank This American Life co-founder and producer, Tori Malatia, who had this very specific thing to say to me the other day. Excellent, Alfred. To the airport. All right, guys. See you in a couple weeks for another Batman the Animated Podcast. Bye-bye.